where do you go? If you go further or you go like to a smaller town, like they're nicer, they care more, they care about the house they're building, the business they're creating. But it depends what kind of vibe you want. Like, do you want that money race of Toronto or do you want to like go chill out, you know, wherever? People used to go to Vancouver to chill out. Now Vancouver's crazy. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. We got to sit through that whole goddamn intro you're going to do now and Uh smile. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Ready to do it. You're going to be part of our skit. Five, four. Yeah, this is our skit. Five, four, three, two. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tom Story Show. This is the episode you've been waiting for. This is the episode people have been asking for for over a year since the last time we did it. But just before I announce the guests, I know you can see them on YouTube, but the audio audio listeners are going to have to wait. We just ask you one thing. Steve, how many people listen every week that don't subscribe? What's the number these days? You know what? It's getting way better. Is it getting better? It's getting way better. But um, I think that's because views are actually down, so no new people are watching. <laughs> Could be that. All right. Well, if you're if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. We are uh, very close to four thousand subscribers, which we really appreciate everybody being here. If you're on the audio platform, I hope you're having a great day. Now, if you have come here today, and something that sounds good to you is three real estate agents and a developer speaking over each other for an hour. Well, I'll tell you what, you are in the right place. Today's guests are Daryl Frankfurt and TK Butler from the Canadian Real Estate Show, our big brother show, the main act. So if you're watching this, this is the opening act and we're excited to be here. Guys, welcome back. Thanks, boys. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year. So how long do we say Happy New Year until? There's a there's a funny Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about Larry saying after, I think, the 15th of January, you got to stop saying it. It's too I was what just think? thinking that today because in, in my area, there's so many people with dogs. So when you're walking a dog, it's like, what do you say every single day? So I was like, how many times have I said Happy New Year to those people? Probably I think it's just right. who you're seeing. Like, I think that's what it is. You you see the person for the first time, you say Happy New yeah. Year. I mean, if you still remember to say Happy New Year to somebody on February 3rd, because it's the first time you saw them in the New Year, good for you. Is that say not too it. late? Is there not a... How well do you really know them? Happy New, Year. Happy New Year. You know them. You haven't seen them yet. You're a jerk for not calling them for over 30 days. That's right. So you better say it and make good up for friend. it. Friend. Jesus. Yeah. Steve, so. are you seeing a lot of people these days to say Happy New no, Year? No, I just... I just put my head down and walk by them. <laughs> Starting January 1st, finishing on December 31st, head down, walk by. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Daryl, because of all your fame these days, are you getting stopped by your neighbors? Being like, hey, aren't you the guy from, uh, you know, Snap Finger Famous, you know? I, you was, at the, uh, I was at the dermatologist uh, a couple weeks ago, and the, like, the junior doctor who was learning from the main guy walked in the room. He goes, uh, real estate? And I go, what? He goes, yeah, I watch your show. And I, and I said, like, are you like, are you buying real estate or like, what's your deal? He goes, no, I just like watching the show. It's pretty I, cool. Uh, I think it's interesting. Like our shows obviously have shared audiences, but I think they're completely different at the same time. Do you guys feel the same way about that? Sure. I feel like they bounce around. Yeah. I feel like, you know, when they're feeling a certain mood, they're watching us. And when they're feeling another mood, they're watching you guys. But really, we're just sharing the same audience one way or another. 
Yeah. Like really, how did people find you? The, the only audience that I would say would be 100% different would be like people from our own sphere of influences, right? Like people who, True. you know, maybe your clients are now watching your show because they want to, you know, watch it. But if they're strictly YouTube based at one point or not, they've probably tried both shows. Yeah. And at some point they got sick of us and started watching you because you guys started this That's podcast right. after us. And then all of a sudden it was just like, go, go, grow, grow, grow. Right. So. We never even fully discussed like that we were going to launch on Sundays like you guys. We just kind of did it. Hopefully, we didn't uh, start an issue there. Is that cool that we're both the Sunday show? Yeah, I think no that's the day that us. Do it. And I, don't, I don't really think it matters when you come out. I think Sunday's the best day to come out. I think so, too. And so, yeah. therefore, it's like, well, people don't only watch it on Sundays. They'll watch it during the week. So I don't think so Sunday's quite our day either, by the way. Like... You know, we only have so many people. First of all, when you started and we were still going, like we had 300 subs at the time, right? You guys blew up recently, though. Um, we, we just had a couple of good episodes, but the subs didn't really blow up. Just the views kind of we're blew steady up. Eddie on the subs, which is... Yeah, we're very totally steady. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember the first time I ever did your show, I asked you guys at the end when we stopped recording, like, what's, uh, what's the goal here? And we talked about this a little bit last time too, but has the goal changed at all? TK, I saw the the last episode I was on, there was an ad in the middle of it. Um, for, for joining, joining Frank Apple. Leo. Yeah, yeah, that's a regular ad that we do every week, right? So obviously the goal really still hasn't changed as far as like, you know, just enjoy talking to people and putting on the, the podcast and, 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 and loving what we do every week. Like that's to me, if, like, if I stop liking this, I'm going to stop doing it. That's my yeah. bottom line. Like, I don't care what the benefits are. Because um, yeah, I have beginning. other things going on in my life that I'm like, you know, I got lots of stuff. But I love doing it. That's why I do it. But yeah, we were like, okay, well, we got this audience. Like, how do we, you know, put something out there for people? And okay, well, there's agents. And obviously, our team's always hiring. So we figure, you know, that would be a good ad. Uh, we've got a sponsor that we're going to be announcing soon. We've had some sponsorships in the past. You know, some of them were, uh, you know, better than others. And at the end of the day, we vet people as best. We say no, I think, more than we say yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So that way we're trying to make sure that it's it's reasonable and it fits our brand. Um, you know, I sell a few properties here and there. You know, Daryl gets a few calls here and there that we've got some development uh, deals that we're working on. And so, you know, there's definitely those type of things too. But first and foremost, the goal is, I don't think it's changed, man. Like, I don't think that was the plan, like, though. Yeah, we're just like, we didn't plan for that. There. Right. We didn't plan yeah. for anything. We just said, we're going to do this for like the next 10 years, once a week, like no questions asked, no matter what, we're putting up one episode a week. And then like over time, you know, when you start looking at the amount of eyeballs you get, you start realizing, you know, I have some reach here. Maybe, you know, we can use this for other things other than our own entertainment. Right. Hmm. But like we, we we try not to kind of whore out the show, right? Like we're, we've tried really hard to just Blatant, kinda, blatantly whore out the blatantly show. Whore out. By, by the guys, way, guys, on a totally different segment, no, 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 this no, episode is brought to you by Realty Ninja. On, I was, so I just want to say that. Tom, I was right? just going to say, I was just oh, going to say, sorry. you guys for 2024 should really put together a plan. Maybe Realty Ninja can host your website and then you can ensure the whole business model with Square One and you'll be set and ready to go. Just, I don't want you to wow. like, like great companies, sponsors or anything, but like this great is a companies. good business model. Yeah. Should we, we say uh, on both sides of that ad? <laughs> 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 no, we enjoy, if you we take enjoy on a sponsor it. you don't believe in. 
we, we enjoyed doing it. So that's, that to me is the main thing, right? Because honestly, like if anybody's listening right now and they just want to be inspired, like if any two idiots have ever been able to, you know, crack the code, it's Daryl and I, right. like we're really not uh, two people where you would say like, oh, you know, those guys are meant to be podcasters or that, you know, their skill sets were designed for this. We literally just started with nothing and worked our way up in every single area you can think of in the podcast space. So just starting the podcast and recording every single week, I inspired two guys on our team to start a podcast nice. recently. We'll see if they continue. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't, you know, you can lead a horse to the water. You can't make him drink, but that is what I believe is the difference maker, not you're good. You got good camera quality. Tommy, you talk about this a lot in your video uh, courses and stuff like that. It's just about doing it. Yep. You know, there's nothing else other than that. And you'll build an audience that uh, suits your uh, personality and, and style. What I've been thinking about recently, and Daryl, you've been doing some live radio as well, correct? Uh, I was just invited onto, onto a radio show a couple of times, yeah. But you know, it's interesting. So I had done that for a while. I, I've done John Oakley probably 10 times over the years. I, I've done little bits on on quotes on certain radio shows. I don't know the numbers behind those because it's live and then it ends. But I would argue that like we actually probably have more reach on this platform than some of those big networks do to actually talk to real people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they give you stats. Like if you look into, you know, how many people 640 AM reaches in a week, like they'll give you a number, but is it real? Is what is it like? What is it really a number of right. anybody? Like if you try and advertise on any other podcast, like, and you see some of the data that you get sent, it's quite comical. What, what, what you see back and what people consider, you know, worth, you know, worthy of, you know, making it seem like they're bigger or better. Like it seems to be a big like game of trickery. But what's interesting is we actually realize by accident, like we've got over a million views in the last year, right? Between our two channels, we have well over a million two actually. Yeah. And so like just by accident, by just being consistent. And I mean, let's be honest, TK. I mean, we are pretty entertaining we're not like a couple of duds like there are some shows that you just cannot watch that you know they've been at it for four years and they still get 40 views an episode right and then just to be consistent at like a level that continuously goes up is not easy on this platform right like I, if you if you study it as much as i do you see guys with a ton of subs getting no views right now mm -hmm. and some guys exploding out of nowhere well, but it, it's it's not easy is the point, right? And to be consistent week after week and get a, a good amount of views. I mean, we joke around that we're a couple of idiots, but you know, thank God we have TK because there is some actual insights if you make it past the craziness. I'm the legitimizer. I'm the legitimizer. <laughs> I come in and... I mean, you know, I, got, I just got the... I got the guy... I'm the guy where you're going to the bank loan for, but you're just using his credit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but really, there's nothing else that he's doing. You know, you're just you're just like, hey man, he's got a 800 FICO score. You, you guys got <laughs> big plans for your for your skits this year. Big plans going on for the the start of the shows. Big plans. Yeah. We you do know, it when we can. I mean, Daryl's yeah. the Daryl's the brains behind the skits. I'll, I'll pump your tires here for a bit. Daryl's the brains behind the skits. He puts nice. them together. I'm the talent. And uh, we just basically, you know, put together stuff when we can. We make sure that it makes sense and that we try not to be too racy. There's going to be a skit that gets us in trouble. I can feel it. 
There's just That's it's the point. Oh, we're so close to the line that we're just like we're crossing it, but we're not really crossing it. Not enough people are watching it yet. Sooner or later, we will cross that line, and someone will say enough is enough. But you know, we will take down the skit at that point. Who cares? See, TK is the line though, which is interesting. Like TK is the border wall, and he's. You know, like any other border wall these days, he's kind of malleable. And, you know, like you can kind of get you know through right him on many fronts. You know the right, right people you can you can squeeze through, you know, but, but one TK of the old fence boards. If it wasn't for TK, we would be long gone for sure. <laughs> right. And not that TK stops much because like he's pretty fun, actually, especially considering, you know, he's a serious professional and I don't do anything all day. It's like we. He, it's so great. I know that's a pinboard for a month. <laughs> but but, but it's so great that we, we're both willing to do those things because otherwise it would be like a real drag, right? Because for, for whatever reason, like I really just want to be more entertaining. Like I've, I've had that in me since like a young kid, right? YouTube's kind of given me this opportunity. But TK like gives me this like uh, confidence that I don't have when I'm doing like you guys do on my own. Right. Like I feel like on my own, I'm boring. I, uh, the way I see it from my vantage point is TK is like the, the gutter guards at a bowling alley. And he kind of keeps Daryl from not falling off the edges. And and he just kind of, he ends up hitting the pins, right? A drunk 12 year old boy bowling for the first time. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) Uh, okay, boys, let's, let's get into some real estate for, for what's going on here. First question, Daryl, you have a, let's call it a, a complicated relationship with the real estate industry. Very vocal mm-hmm. about it. Yes. Now, somebody in your bloodline is a real estate agent. Yeah. Has this it. changed things? Are you seeing yeah. our industry different? No. Okay. <laughs> so what's that been like? You have a family member that's a real estate agent now starting off in this crazy market. How's the, why did she, why did she want to do that? She, she. I don't know how this happened. I, I may have played a part in it, but she grew up saying, Daddy, I want to be a real estate princess. Hmm. And so it just kind of, you know, it, it looks kind of easy if you live in this house and you grow up around this guy, right? And I can do some some pretty interesting things with real estate. And so, you know, I guess she she's always kind of been around for it. She understands it. She likes it. She got the bug. I mean, you guys know what it's like to get the real estate bug, right? So she got it. And, you know, that was, she was finished high school and she didn't really have any other interests. So, I mean, what's a diploma really good for these days? If anything, go to Humber for however long you can do it and get your real estate license. Join the club. By the way, I've seen comments on both of our channels saying that people get their real estate license over a weekend these days, which is complete bogus. Like, what's the what, what do you think in Ontario now? How long it takes six to eight months? Is that the real timeline? That's like the minimum, I think now. Minimum, yeah. yeah. My daughter took a while because she was just kind of coasting and having a good time because she. Really let's had be nowhere to let's go. be real. Like, I'm not trying to like you know Year. up here. Like, it's by far one of the easiest certifications. Yes. and if you look at if you look at like potential income versus cost and time invested into the certification like no other industry compares maybe mortgage brokers theirs is like a not that long of a course at all it's way shorter than ours i think right yeah yeah but even still i think you know a mortgage broker would have to be doing a lot of deals a lot of transactions to be yeah for sure way higher volume yeah yeah 
So but we're certainly an easier, easier entry point, I think, mortgage brokers, actually. I know I noticed, um, uh, Steve, our Toronto Real Estate Board, our fees went up pretty considerable. Because yeah. of Steve, I think. Well, I'm just wondering, like in BC, mean? did you notice the same thing at all? Right? Usually, BC does thing every does everything first. What What did they go up? Uh, Tom, did they double? Did they go up like six? They went up by about seven hundred bucks, uh, okay. but it was well, directly correlated to the new mandatory health care plan. That's that's not Treb though. That's that's uh... no, that's Treb. It's well, it's Treb and Oria, but it was all killing us. No, no, they 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 no no. But uh, Steve, they brought it together. It was one payment. Yeah. I, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. the payment's still going to come out, but it filters up to it goes maybe sure. through trip. It was Aria that course, that changed course, but, the, the. But that's um, a huge. But that's a huge. That's a huge jump in the payment. Like, so my thoughts are: is that somebody right now whose bills due in the next like week or two is going to go like, do I really still want to be a real estate agent? I didn't sell anything this year. Why would I want to seven hundred dollar bump changes that decision? Then you should Here's definitely not yeah. be making that decision. Daryl, here is the argument. So what the real estate boards do, generally speaking, now I would be all in favor if I had a, had a benefits package here offered to me. I would love to take that. But what the real estate boards do is they generally try, and even the associations, they try and keep their fees as low as possible because that benefits the members. It's what they do. And then what that unfortunately does a lot of the time is it invites a lot of members and when you have too many members that aren't actually transacting, some would say that's good for uh, competition because it's going to maybe bring prices down. People might do some uh, work for cheaper. Some would say it's bad because you're getting more uh, people. Morons. Professionals. <laughs> yeah. uh, my real estate license isn't going to say that. Um, but you're getting people that are not doing it full-time and professional, right? And then you end up with higher risk to the end user. So it's a very tough, because the Competition Bureau is the one that governs and says, because it used to be in BC, I'm sure Ontario used to be the same, where if you had a real estate license, you could have no other uh, business. Right? I think it's so, like, they're, they're, like that out east still. Right. I mean, that just makes sense, right? Like, you don't yeah, want to go but, to a part-time doctor, do you? But it, here's, here's my argument with it. This is actually uh, easy for a realtor to say, but I actually personally blame the members of the public That'll be a good quote um, for hiring people that are not full-time agents, right? Because I don't think in any other profession, like the public is generally speaking, the people that support the low professionalism in the industry. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by Realty Ninja. Hey, real estate agents, I bet you didn't get into the real estate industry to try to become a web developer. Realty Ninja will help you build a beautiful website for your business without becoming all techie, because me and Steve are certainly not techie. They'll set up your entire site for you. They'll migrate the content from your current site, and they'll take care of all the back end, switching the domains, all the things that you don't want to do, they'll take care of for you. Their team of in-house designers will make your new site match your current brand and help you stand out from your competitors. Best of all, Realty Ninja offers a free unlimited trial that lets you build out your website and they do not charge you until you're ready to launch. That's right, they're so confident in their product and that you're gonna love the website that you build with them. They will not charge you until it's ready to launch. They don't even take your credit card details. Listeners of the Tom Story Show will not only get an unlimited trial before you 
you launch. So if you go to realtyninja.com slash Tom, you will get 20% off your first year after you launch. A beautiful, functional, and professional website is absolutely a must in today's real estate landscape, and Realty Ninja delivers. So go to realtyninja.com slash Tom for 20% off your first year. That's realtyninja.com slash Tom. And now, back to the podcast. Mm, that is because because yeah. they're hiring people who are doing something else. Because personally, I would never hire, and I know people get mad when I say doctor, lawyer, whatever, but I would never hire uh, a, a lawyer that was doing it and Uber. Like personally, I would never hire that person. I bought so, a church from a realtor who was a lawyer and a doctor and a pastor. That guy, I'm pretty sure, also works in Vancouver because I've met a guy that, <laughs> uh, I no joke, Daryl, I met a guy, I did a transaction with him, and tell me this isn't conflict of interest. I met a guy, he was, first of all, he had a, a doctor in front of his name, but then he was the realtor, he did the, he funded the mortgage, and he conveyed the property as the lawyer. One guy. Perfect. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know how you possibly do this, but I mean, hey, he made three times the money off of that transaction. But He's I don't a think that integrated firm. I don't think that's the best way to service the public. But the public would much rather probably use their cousin, who maybe does one deal on the side per year. The public's perception their cousin's going to give them a deal. That anybody can do this job. It's an easy job. That you know, all you got to do is put up a sign. All you got to do is fill out the paperwork. That's the public perception. So, in some cases, they're right. Like sometimes some cases, they're very right. In hot they, markets, they, they're right. Did absolutely nothing. And in a hot market, when you're selling or like when oh, you're buying, yeah. and you find the property and they're an order taker, and it's just like, hey, I want an offer eight hundred thousand. Okay, and like literally, like you did nothing, right? So there are circumstances where. That's the case. Now, how many more circumstances do are there where, you know, that person says, Well, you know, I just want to pay eight hundred, and then the person says, Well, hang on a second, like that property is not worth eight hundred, or hey, you know what, you should probably look at this area, or hey, you should uh, you know, maybe be, get your financing in order before you decide to make a move. Like there's so many things that we just don't know about, right? So that's the problem. So what are the questions then for consumers listening to this? Because if we're saying, okay, the general theme for the people that maybe fully don't understand how the industry works, but just from the sidelines go, oh, real estate agents, what they do is easy. They make too much money. They don't work too much. They don't work enough, right? So we hear that a lot. But then, but then the public hires those people, right? And gives them opportunity. And then maybe something goes right. Maybe something goes wrong. It doesn't matter. But what should the public be looking for when you're interviewing a real estate agent? Mathematically, I think still over like 90% of the transactions, someone uses a realtor on, on one of the two sides of the transaction. So what questions should they be answer should they should they be asking? Because I, I get the bloodline thing. If it's your family, it's like, hey, I gotta use my cousin or like Christmas dinner is gonna be really weird. But if you don't have that and you're gonna hire someone. Do you, do you have your own podcast? And how long have you been doing it and how many subscribers do you <laughs> That's have? That's right. How many followers do you have? <laughs> not talking to anybody game. under five thousand. But this is actually true. Like this is how people are finding their realtors these days, true. right? A lot of people are finding their realtors on TikTok and Twitter, on YouTube. And they I mean, you guys sell houses through here, right? People are finding you. They just they're lucky maybe that they're finding you instead of some of these other schnorfuses, right? That are pulling the wool over people's eyes and screwing around. Right? Yeah. But that that's day. the honest to god truth. I mean, you guys there's so many right now that are out there 
and they think that they're maybe even doing the right thing, which is the scariest thing, right? It's like, you've got these people that are basically regurgitating stuff that they've been taught or they've been told in sales meetings, like, you know, this is the rebuttal. Like if somebody says this, this is what we're thinking this week, right? This is what we're thinking next week. This is what we think about a month from now, right? And then you get all these articles that like tell you what to think and people just, they don't know what to do. It's like, it's a great question. What do you ask somebody? The best thing to do is to get it from someone else, not your family. You got to ask somebody, have you used them? How was it? What did they do for you? Right? Right. Because a lot of people will, if you don't know what your realtor did for you, then they probably didn't do much. Right. I think. Mm -hmm. And if you have a whole list of what they did for you, then they're probably full of shit too. Right. (laughs) I, I think the difference is, is like, for TK, Steve, and myself starting in this YouTube space is like we had established businesses before we ever put ourselves on camera yeah. and started having the skill was already there. The skill you know? was there. And then the YouTube came but, to drive the business right. and educate people. But I think for a brand new agent today, like let's say Daryl, your daughter, not saying she would do this, but she looks and she goes, okay, how do I find opportunity? How do I find clients? Well, my dad has a podcast. He gets people reaching out to him from that. Maybe I should put myself out there on social media without having the, you no know, experience, the five 100%. years of experience leading up to that moment. Right. I feel like that's where these opinions are coming from. But this is the, this is, this is exactly it. We were talking about it on the show two, three weeks ago, me and TK. I said to him, like, what would you tell a new realtor? Like the best way to start your networking. And it, it's so obvious nowadays it's social media, good or bad. And it's the, but it, but it, it is, I mean, you noticed the options seven years door ago, knocking for social media, right? Well, that's, that's true. But what, what's better than social media? What Listen, would you I'm going to tell the, I'm going to tell the story now, Daryl, that, cause I was going to save it for you for the show, but I'll tell it, I'll tell it now. Cause it's a good story. Oh, look at this. Oh, tell oh it my God. It's exclu- exclusive. He, he was, he was at my house yesterday and he's like, no, we're going to save it for the show. So this is I'm like, I'm going to give this one to, to, to Thomas. Right. Steve. Okay. All right. So, I had a client, right? We, we, we bought, um, one property so far, like we went firm on it. We got another one conditional. We're buying it because we're building two houses on the same street. And so we were looking for more properties on the street. And so I said, okay, what I'll do is I'll go and just drop some letters and door knock and try to find some other people who are selling these lots. Cause they're all very similar and basically we'll buy anyone. So I went and dropped them all off on the 28th of December. And I thought to myself, you know, look at you, TK, you know, working so hard out there, you know, sweating, making sure, you know, the clients get the best deals, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I felt really good about myself because I really cared that this client found found another property, right? And so, you know, not much came of it. And, uh, And, you know, we already had the other property in mind. So we had, you know, negotiations go forward with with the other guys. And so on January 1st at 830 in the morning, Okay, I'm doing a workout in my basement. I'm like, you know, January 1st, new year, new me, here I go. And uh, I get a phone call and it's a phone number with a name under it, like a personal phone number. So I'm like, okay, it's not spam. It's not somebody I know. This could be something. It's 830 in the morning on January 1st. Why don't I answer it? So I answer it and uh, this guy's just like, is this Butler? And I'm like, yeah, how are you? Happy new year. And he's like, you're an effing... Effing, effing, don't ever effing leave anything in my effing mailbox ever again. Happy New Year. You know, like these are the first words I heard in 2024. 
right? What a nice guy. So I'm thinking just like, man, that guy must have some problems because I did nothing wrong to him. So I didn't take it personally and just went back to my workout. And an hour later, he called me back. And so I knew it was him. Hey, how are you? You know, I kind of answered in a real happy, cheery voice and happy new year. And he said something similar. So I said, okay, this is interesting. So then I go to, uh, I think I went to the gym that day. And after the workout was done, he had left two voicemails on my voice, on my answer machine that were like, I would say probably criminal. Some of the things he was saying, okay, like, you know, I could probably get him charged for like something. And, uh, I just kind of said to myself, wow, I said, this is what realtors have to do if they want to be yeah. in the door knocking business. These are the things that they have to compete with. It's been a long time since I did that. You know, yeah. our, 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 our ways of, you know, attracting those types of uh, opportunities aren't by knocking on doors. How many radio ads do you think we run a day? Just going back to Tom's earlier point about traffic. How many radio ads do you think in total we run every single day? Steve, what would be your guess? Because you're not in the GTA. What would you I think? No, the, I, I don't even know your a real estate. I know. So the real, a real estate team, what do you think the most they would run in one day on all the radio stations in Vancouver? Like how many total ads? I think there's one team in my market that advertises, and I don't listen to the radio, but I have heard their ads. So I'm assuming that ad will run six to 10 times a day at least. So we run 178 ads a day on the radio. Every single day. And they're on every bus stop in the city. That's why we're not knocking on doors, right? Okay. So it's, you know, you don't have to do that anymore. But if you're an agent and you can post on social media now for free, you'll get way more than 178 opportunities, right? Clicks, exposure, uh, you know, um, what do they call it? Impressions, whatever. You can really get a lot of attention for free. You don't have to have somebody who's going to be calling you, threatening you and leaving voicemails while you're at the gym, telling how much they hate you. You don't have to be cold. You don't have to have all those awkward nerves. And all you got to do is just continuously post on social media. So I think it's a resounding uh, answer, which is social media is the way to go. And you, an experience will come. I mean, you know, chicken, uh, chicken or the egg type of thing, right? I mean, at the end of the day, what really makes somebody good at, being a real estate agent is to be able to, you know, care for people, help people find the answers, all that kind of stuff. I don't know everything. There's deals I go into. I don't know everything. I have to figure it out. So there's new agents who can figure out the things that I already know too. But then you have a a crutch there where people think there are plenty of people on YouTube, on more on Instagram, more on TikTok that let you believe that they're doing a high number of transactions when they're doing nothing fake it is a fake it till you make it business that yeah, i will how do you even check it yeah. how do you even check but it? we have access but as brokers you have no skill you have no skill so if you're fresh in the business your job needs to be you have to do reps you have to practice talking to people so you can mm-hmm. practice talking to people this way and sound as polished as you want get them on the phone and you're like what the hell was that right so you have to practice talking to people. The way I practiced talking to people was four open houses minimum per weekend. Mm-hmm. And then similar to your story, you'll have some people that are walk in, they'll be the nicest people in the world. You'll have some people that you're like, get the hell out of my open house right now because one, I don't feel safe or you're berating me and you came into this open house. But what you have to do is you have to get yourself the skills to be comfortable talking to people for when those opportunities arise. So I'm not saying people shouldn't do social media, but they should focus a whole lot more on actually meeting people in real life because that's where the transactions are done. 
Daryl, I don't think that we should tell people that they should be doing so like, sure, you have to have a social media account. But if you Uh, think that that's where your business is going to come from, and your skills going to come from, there's a whole lot of agents that don't have much skill that are showcasing as if they know what the hell they're talking about. That's the real key. I'm trying to encourage the young realtors getting into the business. And I I am grumpy old man. Three times a day and tell everybody (laughs) that if they need a condo in North York, that they're the ones to call and that's, and you, and you will meet people and you'll get in touch with people and you'll practice those skills. And if their leases, their leases take on as many leases, whatever you got to do, but you got to meet people. You got to get out there and you got to get out there. People are going to kill you. So you might as well get out there. Social media. So do yeah. all that, do what TK just said, and then make sure you do your four open houses a weekend if you've been licensed for less than four years. You got to get out there. You got to meet people. Daryl, how do you find most of your opportunities? Are you not knocking on doors, sending letters, getting yelled at in your in your line of what you do? Is it not more face-to-face? I, I mean, I did that a lot at the beginning when I when I first started out and I was really putting things together on my own. Now, um, they they tend to come at me through multiple sources. Um, I mean, the last one came down. from DK. Our geo warehouse. We're tracking people down, like yeah, uh, it's leaving letters, a- all that stuff. But when you're going to buy their property, they're much nicer to you than when you're a realtor. It's way like true. Yeah, you've already got the buyer. You are the buyer. Yeah, you're the buyer. So you're just like, hey, like I just want to. I'm not a realtor. As soon as you say I'm not a realtor, I want to buy your property. Their guard is down. Very different. I'm a realtor, and my buyer wants to buy the property. Their guard is up. Yeah, because they're just like, what's this person really? So even when I'm representing Daryl, and I'm like, no, I have a buyer. Like we're looking to buy your neighbors in here. Not they're still a little bit like hesitant to trust me. Whereas then yeah. Daryl goes in there and he's just like, hey, how are you? And he's like, well, I've got to mow the sign right away. Well, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, it's because they don't trust me. <laughs> I'm the realtor. And no, they think there's is- a, like a thing like that they need to worry about and that they've got some sort of like, you know, there's a catch, yeah. right? So it's, it's very true. And that's why I'm not a realtor. I mean, I could have been a realtor at uh, various points in my career. It would not be hard for me to be a fairly decent realtor, but... I made a conscious decision that to do my my job well, because I do find things that other people you know don't see the same way I see, or things that weren't for sale. Um, like I, I I just can't be a realtor when it, it, it's it's like a magical thing when I say no, I want I'm not a realtor. I want to buy your property. This is how much I want to pay you, and we can like just have the conversation now. It's different when a realtor calls and goes, I got a buyer for your property. And they go, oh, yeah, like, what do they want to pay? Um, like, how much do you want? A- and then it's like, right. you get in this thing where it's like, this isn't real right now. But if I call somebody and I say, hey, I'd like to buy your property for $2.3 million. I-, I need 60 days due diligence and I'll close 60 days after that. And they they look, they, you know how many times people told me, go fuck myself or I don't sell? Oh, you know, like you get no's. That's the thing. You That's the most important skill in anything, whether you're a developer, a realtor, a mortgage broker, like anything is being able to face the, 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 that, that no, that rejection constantly and still get up and be like, oh, okay, maybe the next one is going to be the one, right? And like, oh, after 32 in the same day, or maybe getting nowhere for a week, you're still like, hey, this is the one. Right. But an, an agent and it, why everybody's so skeptical with an agent is because most of the time it's not what TK 
was doing. Most of the time, it's someone knocking on the door saying they have a buyer. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, it didn't quite work out with that buyer. And now, but I can list your property because you are interested in selling, right? And that's the the bait and switch that goes on with. with Even though people still fall for that and they don't, they don't understand it. They always fall for it. Specifically here in BC where we can't. Uh, represent both you can't sides even the represent the buyer yeah yeah right so, so crazy so it. crazy how many people call me to tell me that this agent is bringing them a buyer yeah. and that they need to wait before they sign with us to find out what's going to happen with that other agent and i am like 100% that will not happen because the batting average of those agents in the past is zero they have never brought a buyer once and i'm talking about a lot of a lot of instances <laughs> So we, uh, I've seen in my own neighborhood, we've gotten a few letters from, from local realtors that basically say, I have buyers for a house like yours. These are their names. They are real. So, so they're, they're trying to get through this by saying, I actually, I have a client. I think they'd kind of like a house like yours. I can't guarantee they're going to buy it, but give me a call. And those ones I think are pretty smart. Yeah, if the one that I did real. recently, it was like the street name, the type of property. Like I was very specific. Yeah. So it's and you still got a guy calling and swearing yeah, at I'm you. I'm still getting death threats. But anyways, <laughs> one th- what the elephant in the room here is commission. That's what makes Daryl different is there's no commission involved. I don't care what agent you are. So let's talk care. about that. How good you are. Commission yeah. makes your brain do weird so things. You know? I take a commission. What are you talking about? No, a it's big different. Commission. It's different when you're also the one who has to provide the money. It's your commission is just your money going from Peter to Paul. This is a third party intermediary who's not involved. He doesn't have to risk his own money. He doesn't own the asset, but there's this little slice of the pie for him in the middle. And that makes people do weird things. Daryl, let me ask you a question. Have you ever bought a house from somebody privately with no realtors involved that if that house were to go to the open market, would have sold significantly more with a realtor, even with the commission being built into that price. Uh, wow. Uh, I don't think so. I probably more, probably pay more. I mean, they're not for sale, right? Fair, fair. Not for sale. And I'm information that, that Daryl had became public. Then the answer is yes. Yeah. Well, no, it's, I, I actually try and find a way to pay them more than market. Cause I'm trying to entice multiple people side by side by side to say yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going, can I get a deal? I'm trying to find a place where I can pay people more and it's a deal for me based on what I think I can do to the property. Right. So, so if it, everybody's getting one, two and I can afford to pay them one eight, I, I'm not going to start at one eight. Right. But eventually, like I have room where I, if if I hit the right number in the in the discussion, the, the discussion continues. Mm. And the right way to continue a discussion like this, if you want to, it's one thing to buy one house and to like go guns a blazing on thirty properties and lowball everybody and see if something sticks. But an assembly, like you need everybody on board, right? So you got to rub a bunch of tushies all the time and give people what they want or you don't get what you want. And you have to not let it get past the point where now it's not financeable or profitable, right? But Kingston Road, Kingston Road, if you had, if someone had listed both Kingston Road properties, both sites at the same time with the knowledge that you had, it would have sold for more than what. Daryl, is there a gas station across from that site? Right. Um, A gas station across from which site? From this, this Kingston Road property Tika is talking about? No. Uh, 
I thought I know. I thought no I knew which station. one it was. No, no, okay. No, no. Okay. no that was let on me, the northwest get... corner of Kingston Road and Scarborough Golf Club Road. Okay. Gotcha. Let me give you my story of a private sale of which I was not just a part of that worked out great for the client that I would have represented. But I'll tell you why private sales don't should not go ahead. I evaluated a property. It was on the market June 2022. So just as prices were just going to stink. It it came on the market at 1.258. It reduced, 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 could not sell. It was on the market for six months. They ended up taking it off the market. Then they had it off the market for many months and they called me in to do an evaluation. I did the evaluation. I was like, listen, the, the marketing was on point. The agent had everything. It was I was like, this was not a bad agent. This was good. And I do the evaluation. Everything else in the complex, it was a townhouse. Everything else in the complex was selling for 1.1 to 1.15. So they were, let's call it overpriced by at least $100,000. Turns out uh, there was a reason they couldn't sell. Um, I just followed up with those people in December. I look back on the tax roll. They sold the property and they sold it privately. Guess how much? Now the market is down. From that point, guess how much they sold that property for? I won't keep everybody in suspense. 1.328. Why did they do that? Because the buyer came unrepresented and had no idea that they couldn't sell that property for $75,000 less than that for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they don't have the information. And that is actually what kind of TK is talking about, if everybody has all of the information, values are probably going to be right around the same. Why that buyer paid that much, I can't, that, that buyer has lost immediately upon closing $200,000. Mm-hmm. They're happy with it because they got a private sale because they didn't have a pesky agent involved. Good for mm-hmm. them. Now, majority of the time, it doesn't work out that way. Majority of the time, things are going to fall within market value. But that does happen. All kinds of crazy uh, things happen, but they happen less now because there is a lot of info out there for everybody. And like, I got how all like people are very informed now, aren't they? It's hard to find us. They have the information. I'm surprised that buyer didn't look up the the listing history online. Like that 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 was weird. That's that what I think would be an outlier. Um, I spoke with a very very high end luxury agent. I don't know if I said this on the live stream we did, but I don't think I did. And she was talking about how a lot of stuff that's exclusive, that's not technically on MLS. And she's like, the the wealthy people, they're more embarrassed of the sale price because the market's gone down. So they'll actually sell it for $6 million off market if it's not posted publicly. But if they go to market, it's $7 million publicly because they don't want their friends, the people they know, to think they're selling their house way less. I thought that was kind of interesting as well as some people Makes off sense. market, they just don't yes. want people knowing their business. I know you yeah. could technically find out, but it's not as easily available, right? Yeah, that's one hundred percent. New Korea rules are going to really impact that segment of the market with no advertising of exclusive listings. Not really. Like we've kind of talked about it, we've brushed up on it. I think it's just the like coming soon rules and like you know how people have been doing things uh, before with exclusive listings and all that kind of stuff. I think it's mainly to curb that. I don't think the exclusive markets that. 
big of a deal. I, I really don't think that there is yeah, but you much can't even put there. a sign up. You can't even put it like there's a lot. Most of how many people is, are calling because of that sign? Like really, yeah, I most think development an, is exclusive in our in our market with a, just a sign and then either email blasts, which are no longer allowed. Which you can't do, but that's and but that's I, not. I can't um, advertise it on a website. But that's like not regulated by Crea because it's just a developer who's just selling. No, it's, yeah, it's any residential property. If it's residential, it's residential yeah. to con- commercial, it's still yeah. a residential property now, so it can't be on exclusive. But if but but if it's not listed and it's just your you're a seller, right? It's basically it's not listed. So if you're a developer, I'm I'm uh, Joe Blow Developments Inc. and I want to put a sign on my property that says "Call Joe Blow Developments Inc." because we want to sell this property, I can still do that. It's just yeah, yeah. No, this is agent. Yeah. No, but yeah, you have to have the uh, that TRCA uh, license or whatever the hell it's called that uh, that ideal development's needed to have. Whatever. I'm just HR- saying. Yeah, some real kind of estate agents practices, and that's the that's the difference, right? So, if a development, yeah. I mean, just put your own sign up. I do that a lot of the times when I do like new sites. If there's like a, a infill or something like that, I'll say like put up a sign, do a rendering, put your brand on it, all that kind of stuff, and you can put our logo in the corner or don't. And we'll put up a for sale sign. So there's still opportunities like that. Anyways, do I think it's a big deal about this whole exclusive uh, listing timeline before it has to go online or anything like that? No, but I also don't do exclusive listings. So it's yeah, we don't we don't really deal much with it. All right, boys, I've got a question that came from our comment section a few weeks ago, and I thought it could be kind of fun to read this out loud and get everybody's opinion on what this person should do because I think there'll be different answers here. Do you need insurance? The answer to that question is obviously yes, of course you do. Whether you are a tenant, landlord, or homeowner, you need to insure your property and belongings. And when I insure my investment property, personally, I choose Square One. Square One is affordable online insurance for everyone. If you apply for your Square One insurance policy using the link in the description of the show notes, listeners of The Tom Story Show can receive $20 off right now simply by going to square1.ca slash the tom story show square one is no joke i personally use square one for my landlord policy on my investment condo i picked square one because they were easier to work with than other insurance companies and when i had an issue with my previous policy coverage in relation to my stratas coverage square one was the insurance company that came up with a solution for my insurance problem at an affordable rate. Online quotes take less than five minutes with Square One. Get your home insurance quote today at squareone.ca slash the Tom Story Show and save 20 bucks. Hey guys, great content, even though I'm a struggling early career engineer. I'd like to understand your opinion on how the next generation, 18 to 30 year old, Steve, I'm no longer in the next generation, that's hard to hear, will be able to afford one, housing, Two, a family with housing. Just feeling a little bit hopeless on the affordability side. What do you think, Daryl? You want to start? Somebody said something similar in our comment section. And they may have posted on a few. Well, I don't know if it's the same person, but like same kind of idea. And I mean, I don't want like it. A lot of what you are able to to do or earn or. or or be successful at is based on the knowledge that you have, right? So, I mean, yeah, maybe on a new engineer's salary, it's going to be next to impossible to own something where you want to own it. So, 
you know, you have to either find a way to make more money, find another career, find another place to live. That's the reality of it. But if you're 18 to 30 and you're not seriously considering renting first, uh, uh, just to get in the market, like, I don't know how anybody decides where they live anymore. I mean, I, my daughter's been going through it. It's impossible to find a nice place, right? So, like, if you're used to something even half decent right now, like, good luck to you. And there's so many people looking for it, right? I, I don't know the way out, but, like, it's either move back home or move further, right? There's there's no other or, – or live in a total shithole, right? And like in between shithole and something like decent is is probably like just a disguised shithole, <laughs> right? So, like, yeah. <laughs> that's what's that's the answer. The, what's your advice, Daryl? What are you going to tell them to do? Well, I mean, really, rent you, rent until that, they're until their. But that's job the thing. If you don't if thing? you don't want to do something where you can make more money right? Which yeah. there's a lot of things where you can make more money than an engineer quicker, right? Then you have to, you have to go somewhere where you can afford to live. Like this is, th this is not rocket science. It's like, this is how much money I make. This is how much is left at the end of the month for something. Where can I go? Like it, you can do a search, right? People don't want to go where they have to go. This is the problem. And then now we have a great scapegoat in all the immigrants. Those bastards need a place to live too, right? So now we have like, like this weird thing going on where there's so many people who are looking for a good place to live and a good job and can't do either of them that it's like, there's Saskatchewan, everyone. There's Winnipeg. There's Calgary. Like, I'm sorry. There's Northern Ontario. Pick one and go there and make a beautiful life for yourself. It's, it's got to be more nomad-like, right? Or go to Curacao, right? Or go to Puerto Rico. Or But seriously, like, there's other... If you're choosing the rest of your life, if you're 18 or you're 20 years old right now, and the only thing determining where you're going to live and set up shop for the rest of your life is where you were born, mm. it's 2024. Like, there's options now, and there's way better options than walking your dog in minus 30 every day, right, where there's no leaves to look at, and everybody's grumpy because they're fucking frozen. No, but for real, like you go yeah. to an island. TK was just there. I was just there. Steve's yeah. saying he puts his head down and says, right? But in, in Curacao, they all say hello to everybody, right? Cool. It, but are your daughter, your daughter, for instance, her age group, are they going to move there and get a job in Curacao dollars, whatever the heck that is? And are they Foreign going to then, for instance, would you rather be an electrician in Toronto or an electrician in Mexico? Yeah, I, me, I, I wouldn't want to be an electrician anywhere, but like whoever wants to be an electrician, well, I don't know. Let's think it through. In Mexico, it's warm all day. You don't have to work out in the freezing cold. You don't have to work in houses that don't have any insulation for a month straight, freeze your balls off. And God knows what working conditions are on job sites right now. I used to build houses like 15 years ago. It was a disaster. Okay. If somebody came on my site at the wrong time, like they're danger zones, right? And you have all these people that you're paying as little as possible to for building mansions. Like look on tw TikTok, how many uh, inspectors there are now finding the craziest shit in houses, 
right? Like there, there's so many issues. So, so, but where, where do you go? If you go further or you go like to a smaller town, like they're nicer, they care more, they tear, care about the house they're building, the business they're creating. It's like a different vibe. So, but it depends what kind of vibe you want. Like, do you want that money race of Toronto or do you want to like go chill out, you know, wherever people used to go to Vancouver to chill out, right. And go pick mushrooms and stuff. Now Vancouver's crazy. But when you see those areas that you're talking about, you go to those, somebody, all these people talking about moving to these, you know, like let's call them tropical countries. They're talking about that because they went there on vacation with their high value Canadian dollars and their high value Canadian incomes. And then they go, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I think so too when I'm sitting at the bar on the beach. That's great. But then when you talk to the actual bartender or the guy sweeping the floors at the resort and you find out he makes 38 cents a day, you're like, this kind of sucks. And you don't want to see his living conditions. Right? Yeah. That's not the reality. So we have it really frigging good here. And people don't like to acknowledge that. So if you're struggling at this age group, trust me, it, I think it's going to be hard. I'm going to say this question is 18 to 30 years old. I'm going to suggest most of those people 18 to 30 years old are still living at home. Most of them these days. And if you're going to do that, one, you need to save your butt off and you need to stop spending your money on stupid, crappy life experiences at 18 years old because that's not when you spend money on life experiences. It's not. If you do, you're going to be a renter for the rest of your life and your retirement's going to be terrible. And then you need to do what Tom always says, which is start on that property ladder. You need to get into the cheapest piece of crap you can get into that will support your lifestyle as soon as you can get into it. And I don't mean support your lifestyle as in, I want all the fancy stuff. I mean, roof over my head, paying a mortgage. That's what you need to do. Because who parents are the worst at this. Parents will walk into a home inspection and tell their kids why they can't buy this home because it's such a piece of crap. And then you ask the dad, well, what was your first place like? Well, it was a rat-infested 800-square-foot bungalow somewhere. Well, this is their version of that. They have to get through that. If you don't let your kids struggle through that, you're going to be in trouble. And then the second part of this question that we haven't addressed yet is how do you raise a family? Mm -hmm. How do you raise a family? You let your kids be freaking poor. Let your kids be poor kids. They're way better kids in the end. They're way better kids in the end than the kids that have absolutely everything. Let define your define poor kids. You got to be poor where you grew up. Is that what you say? Like you got to stay where you grew up and be poor rather than going an hour and a half away and having a good life? Let your kid. Here's the thing though. I want to go hour and a half away. Cool. If you well, go maybe an, hour, an and hour and a half, half not far enough anymore. But if you go 17 hours away and your kid is still connected to Fortnite for 18 hours a day, your kid's going to be a piece of crap. Like they have to get out there and they have to experience the world and they have to learn to play with people. They have to learn conflict resolution out with the neighborhood kids. Do you know why those neighborhoods are neighborhoods out there two hour two hours away are so good? It's because they have a community and they're out there getting community. to know the other people in the community. Yeah. They're not in in front of their screens, right? Fifteen hundred bucks for a PS PlayStation, whatever. I don't know. My kids don't have one because that's where people are spending their time. And so if we get our kids used to this lifestyle of, of beautiful homes, big homes, what mom and dad has, mom and dad give us everything, you're going to end up with entitled people that think their life sucks. And that's the wrong way to look at it. We need to give them responsibility and we need to tell them, hey, go buy the piece of crap. 
And you know what? If that piece of crap means you have an hour commute each way when you're 22 years old, that's what it means. Figure it out. So do you think it's more than looking at your parents and not looking at your current situation if you're in this age group where you're living with your parents at their house at this point in their lives, but asking them what their first property was? Because then you're going to move somewhere and be like, oh, this sucks compared to what I had. But that's not where they started. My, my unpopular opinion is, <clears throat> not that everybody else's was that popular, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, the education, like how much does it cost to be an engineer? How much does it cost to be an engineer? To, 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 to go through all the Depends if you're an costs. immigrant or you're a local. Because well, it's like got, five times the price if you're look, an immigrant. You live in Toronto, you grew up in Toronto, you want to become an engineer. What is that cost? Right? Like it's nothing less than $100,000. Probably. Okay. So, unpopular opinion. Okay. If that $100,000 was used to buy your first property at 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, 21 years old, whatever it was, and invested in the real estate market, and you invested in your own financial education, right? And you went into employment in companies that, you know, there was growth and that you could see yourself being in long term because, you know, you enjoyed the business and you had a certain amount of skill set that they would teach you through, you know, practical experience. By the end of the four year program that you would have gone to school for, you would be in a job that you'd be making as much or more than your junior engineering job. You would own a piece of property already. Right. And you'd be in a company that you could grow. And now with your new financial education, you could actually get into other things, whether it be investing into stock market or just, you know, being uh, financially, you know, savvy in other ways, real estate investing, all that kind of stuff too. So you're going to be much better off by 25 years old if you had not put that money aside for that education in the beginning. I'm not saying nobody should be an engineer. There are people who are supposed to be engineers, but there's also a whole bunch of other people who shouldn't be. And that they got sucked into that trap yeah, of right. going into university and spending all that money. I, I was just fortunate because I had older siblings where none of them got into the businesses and fields and anything else that had anything to do with what their education that my parents had paid for. And so it was like, at the end, it was just like, whoa, what a waste of money that all was. Mm -hmm. Because they all could have done things else. And people say, oh, you learn how to learn in university. Oh, I'm telling you, if you'd spent those four years somewhere else, you would have learned how to learn something else. You weren't, you weren't doing nothing during those four years of education. You were doing something practical in some sort of employment. You would have had some job skills and you would have then gone to the resume. Oh, that guy was in university for four years. Oh, this guy worked in a company just like ours for four years. Who are they going to pick? You know? So it's like, these are the, the, the things that I think needs to change. Even my mindset needs to change for my kids because we all have this race of like, my kids are going to be better. They're going to go to better schools. They're going to have a better education. They're going to be, I'm going to be proud of them. And there's plenty of people who this is the right path for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this isn't for it. Uh, like there aren't people who this would be useful for, but there's a whole ton of people who should give up on this uh, in like grade nine and they should be starting on a path of trying to, you know, find the best way to at 18 years old to have a head start learning how to save your money, yeah. financial education. So that way, when you come out and you're buying a property and you said, okay, instead of going into um, university, I'm going to use that money to invest in one of Tom's, you know, $500,000 listings downtown. What can you, what can you get for $500,000, Tom? You can get a bachelor's. These somewhere. days you can actually, there's a lot of stuff these days. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You got 20%. Guess what? You qualify for only 5% down I guess, because you're a first time. What do you think the, what do you think the, um, 
the amount of kids graduating high school now, how many of them go to post secondary? What do you assume? Is it? Is it? I think. Way I think anything more than twenty percent is a waste because now the university is just making money and making those kids crazy. broke for the rest it's of their racket. life. It's a racket. It's a racket. Right. It's so insane. if you're going to be a doctor, post secondary. If you're going to maybe even be a CPA, post secondary. If you're going to go into some sort of law, I don't know. There are professions where you need to do it, and there's certain people who need to be in those professions. But they should eliminate general studies. General studies yes. should be gone. Yes, there's a whole bunch because of programs they should eliminate. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, these are all the that things that's just the I same as that's just the same version as the real estate board taking on fees from people that don't it's sell anything and correct. Universities 100%. taking money from Wait to bring Reserve. it back, Tom. That's you called like a that? callback. You did a you great like job there. It, it, it is. And so you blip. can't blame the universities for accepting people's money. They're, and they can't blame the real estate board for continuing to sign up uh, real estate agents. Okay, mm -hmm. that's their business, right? So it's about our kids because they're the only people who are ever going to listen to us. Not even the people blame the tiger podcast are listening tiger. to us. But if so, that that money that we talked about in this situation where you could invest into a property early or you could spend it over four years through whatever education it takes to become an engineer. Where does that money usually come from? It usually comes from the parents anyways, no? In those type of situations, I'd say mostly it's going to come from the parents. Then you obviously have OSAP, right? Sure. You obviously have different you know programs and stuff like that. You got grants, you got scholarships. But you can't else. get OSAP, but OSAP's for, you can't get OSAP to buy a house, right? Like, no, so you can't, but uh, again, and it's a theory here. I'm not saying that you're going to buy at 18. You may be one of the people who doesn't have parental support, who hasn't saved any money from like summer jobs or whatever, and that you might have to wait four years of working hard in that company before you could buy your first property. You're still going to be ahead of the guy who comes out of university with a degree that he's barely going to use in a field that he doesn't belong in with a debt that he can't pay off with uh, a property. You're going to have a property. With I no think of this, this is the age group, 18 to 30, where like getting a job completely limits your ability to take a risk and have a big reward, right? So, so if you, if you, people trade, we talk about this all the time. They trade their time for money. They go get a job. They know how much they're going to have every two weeks and they live that comfortable life. And that is a harder life to save money for a down payment in Toronto for, right? That formula works in a ton of places still. But instead of going to school and getting a job at that point, like that's when we should really be encouraging people to take a chance when their expenses are zero, right? When they have no kids, they have no responsibilities and they have the best imagination that they'll ever have, you know, in their adult life. Right. And the most, uh, energy and the most chutzpah, you know, like th this is the time where we should be encouraging these guys to invent things and create things and start businesses and whatever. But instead we tell them to go work at McDonald's and learn the system for 14 bucks an hour so they can save up to buy a car or a house or whatever the hell is the thing that we think that they should save up for. I think the mentality has to change. This generation is not like us. They, they, I, I think, like I have two in my house. They think very differently than me. That's for damn sure. They don't would want you, what I want. Would you say, so if we're, if we're talking about sports for a second, what do you think uh, uh, the prime age is for an athlete? 27 to 30? 
that's that's prime. It depends on the sport, right? Okay. I know right. I'm past my prime. So now, and then if you take this fire like on number. every level over here, like, and then please. if you take it to something else like music, songwriting, why is it that most of the songwriters that come out with new stuff that's popular or big bands they write their best hits when they're young? Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know the answer. There's some things come to you differently than right. drugs or something. So, but if well, you take those two analogies and go back to just, okay, then entrepreneurship or life, then, yeah. you know, if you're spending your prime years working for somebody else, trading time for money for a job you don't really like, and then you want to give it a go into your 40s or 50s, it's like, not to say you can't make it happen, you probably can, but it's just probably, it's it's more difficult. It's different but, but also expectations that 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 comment 18 to 30 year old people what should they like you know group. probably lower your expectations on where your income level should be mm. like you're 25 you know like very very few people that i know in their 20s had a decent income most mm. of them were broke until they got to 30 and then it was like oh now i've got this great job now now i can start saving i'm not living paycheck to paycheck and can start taking life seriously that's like the vast majority of people so I would don't never be have too hard on yourself if you're like 22 and you're like, why am I not? Because remember what I told you this the other day, millennials expectations on happiness, um, what would what income would would uh, mean that they were happy? Did you guys see that uh, no. study has been going around lately? So like all the generations were like telling them, well, I need this much money. I need this much money. Millennials, which would be, I guess, not the people in that age group, 18 to 30 millennials would be what? Like 25 to 25, 35, I think 27 like to like 40 these days. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Their answer was $500,000 of household income. How taxes, yeah. stupid is that? Was that right? the highest answer out of any? Uh, all group? the generations, this was the highest answer because they were like, well, my interest rates are really high. and oh, I got to get a mortgage and I got to get all these nice things and I got to do all these. So it rubs off on those younger generations where they're just like, man, those people, they say that they're making X and software engineers are making X. Yeah, there's a ton of people making money right now. But like, let's see when, like, what's the balance? Like, it's great if you can make money for like three years with your job and do really well because the company's doing well and the economy's doing really well. But like over 30 years, where did you average? How did, how did you make out? There's a ton of people that I know retired right now or near retirement who make very like like peanuts money, but they can tell you the stories of their glory days in the 80s and 90s, right? And so it's about finding something that you're passionate about that you can do for long term, and uh, you know you can grow your wealth by buying properties and everything like that. But don't focus on well, right now I'm an entry level engineer and I've only got um, you know sixty seventy thousand dollars income and I'm never going to buy anything. That income will change. What did you do with? that sixty or $70,000. What did you do to get to that point in your life up until now? That Those are more important questions to ask yourself. What do you, what do all of you think? We'll say this like for Toronto or Vancouver or just outside Vancouver, just outside Toronto for two people, right? Maybe let's not even bring kids into this yet, just a couple to live a life that you think is a good life to whatever your standard is. What do you think household income has to be? 250, easy. Easy. So I mean, it depends on it depends on a lot of things, right? Because to, 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 are you what age? Are they, like a are house and out? a couple. Let's of say they're just starting out. It needs to be higher. But I know lots of people who are forty, you know, with a combined household income of one hundred and thirty, forty thousand dollars, who are paying. Why is it lower? Is is it lower when they're forty because they've already paid down so much of their house that their net worth is higher, or is it just lifestyle? 
this is what they just, they just, they've been talking about this a lot lately, which is the advantages that you have of being older. Okay. So as a, as an older person, you know, you have more time in your employment. You have more time to make more money. You have more time to save more money. And you were at a certain age where you could buy real estate at a cheaper price. So therefore, the older you are, the better it is. This is just the reality of way that the market's gone. And therefore, the younger you are, you're entering the housing market at a much higher point. You've had less time to be able to save money. You've had less time to be able to build up your income. And so that you have those types of disadvantages, right? But and it's just the older people now used to be younger people. Did they look yeah. at the older people when they were younger people and say the Absolutely. same thing? Absolutely. Yeah, this is just the way it is. It's just a scale, and no matter how old you are, there's always another guy older than you who had it better. I think actually well, now is a little different. Like the last two, three years, things have exploded. It's it's not no, but it's true. Like look at the look at the graphs. There's no graph that didn't just fucking jackknife up in the last three years. Mm -hmm. So 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 so. Yeah, every generation, it seems like the one previous had it easier. There's no doubt about it. But I think right now, if you look at the divide between wages and, and cost of living, it's never been so far apart. So, in so, Canada. Well, this is where we are. So, yeah, in Canada. And, yeah. and especially in Toronto and Vancouver, and I guess like the surrounding areas, because... Um, like you, you buying a house in Brampton for one three to one five is normal still, right? Like I don't know, Steve, you don't know Brampton, but like Brampton a few years ago was the armpit of the world. I'm sorry, I live in Brampton West. You forget? Yeah. So so oh, did you really? I forgot. No, so, no, I live I live in Brampton West. Oh, West Coast Surrey and Brampton are like. Oh, sister. you do? Is it the same? Yeah. Okay, so so so, so but, they share a mayor because it it was uh, cost effective. <laughs> but 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 this is what's so crazy is like everywhere is one five in Toronto now. It wasn't like that before. You used to be able to go to Newmarket and get a house. You used to go to Barrie and get a, like you. There used to be places that you could drive that were relatively close and built up where you could buy a house if you couldn't afford Toronto. The now pandemic screwed up everything. It equalized everything. It brought yeah. up all the low price markets to higher price markets now today. The exact yeah. same news story could have happened in 2016 when our marketplace went up almost 100%. And it was craziness and there was too many people then. The more things change, the more they stay the same. There is some quote and I would totally bastardize it, but it would be something of the effect of kids today in their music. Like it just, it's not as good as it was when I was young. And then you look and the quote is like Socrates or somebody, <laughs> right? And I'm sitting here, I, I just, <laughs> right? So, but it's, it's, it's true. It's, it's like one of these old philosophers. So I'm sitting here uh, working out and some song comes on and I'm like, this is garbage. I don't know what's going on. Where's my Pearl Jam at? So I switch over and I put Pearl Jam on and then I get back to working out. We all feel like the next generation has it wrong. They're dumb. I definitely feel like they're dumb. They're not doing it right. Um, they feel like they've got it hard and the old folks don't know what the hell's going on. And that continues to cycle and cycle and cycle. And what to what TK was saying, the majority of people make the majority of their money between something like 50 and 65 years old. 
for their entire lifetime. Like if you take those 15 years, take all the rest of their lifetime, they make more money in that amount of time. And there is something in the current, I don't even think it's the current generation. I think it's the current generation's parents that thinks their kids should have that now. So those 18 to 22, 24 year olds think that because the guy that's running the company is making $6 million a year, that I need to be making at least 600000 It doesn't work that way. $7,100 an hour, the top CEOs in Canada make. Yeah. And do you know why they make that much? $7,100 an hour. Because they're 62? No, because they're worth it. They're worth it. They're, exactly. Right? What they bring to the table for that company pays the company more than what the company pays them. Correct. But they did not start there. <laughs> they unless, unless you're their Air way Canada. up. Unless right? you're Air Canada, and then maybe you, not. <laughs> you said something interesting, actually, where you said people make their the most money they make in their 50 to 65, which is interesting. I wonder if that is a trend that will continue, because I feel like, especially with AI and just the amount of bodies that have entered into the country lately that some of those guys in their 50s would be more expendable than ever especially in the next income network so it's because you've not the ceo guys it's all the guys that are actually making the 250 now that you could replace them with an ai and a guy for 40 grand right and that's that's the reality the those old folks, though those guys that are coming out that are maybe middle management, maybe they're the replaceable ones. But the people that are actually willing to pick up a, a tool and make something, those are the people that are we we can't replace. We can't. Right? Have so you that's, seen what uh, Tesla's up to and uh, Boston Dynamics? Like I'm pretty sure we're going to replace those guys pretty soon. Aren't they There's just building dog robots? Just a well, robot that looks humanoid. like a dog. Have you seen the Tesla, what's it called? The Optimus bot? The front-flipping like, soldier from, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. from Boston Dynamics is the most terrifying thing. I've TK, ever. has Daryl seen the uh, Mexican alien yet? For sure uh, he has. He, I don't know. Did you look it up? I mean, we looked into it, and we told you about it, so just want to <laughs> bring that up The again. Mexican alien, that thing that had yeah. babies inside of it now? <laughs> so it, if you think about it, though, when you talk, when you bring up things like robotics and uh, like Elon Musk has that Optimus thing, which will, you think Teslas are popular, wait till Optimus comes out and everybody yeah. has a personal robot. But his, the reason he's bringing that out is he sees the world population declining. And as a result, he sees our current inflation being a massive issue because labor will be at a shortage like we've never experienced in world's history. So he says what you have to do is you have to get the labor done by the robots. Sure. That's what well, I'm we saying. Have an aging, we have an aging workforce, and that's definitely an that's issue that's coming up that they're, they're trying to solve through immigration right now. But they're going right? to schlep lumber and bricks. Like in the, They're probably already doing that on some sites where they're just carrying materials from somewhere to somewhere else. And they have robots that take pictures and videos of the whole place and like put it on to play. There's some unbelievable stuff going on. But with, so with far, robotics. all they are doing is bringing me sushi at the restaurant. Because which is still pretty I'm cool. Seeing these robots, which is still pretty cool. But I'm not seeing these robots anywhere else. So even though it's like, I get it. And Daryl, you know, I'm all for Coming. this. The reality is it's just... We're just so many years away from actually, and remember, Asia, like, you know, uh, Japan, Korea, China, they're 10 years ahead of us. Even they don't have a ton of robotics as much as they could. And so we have crazy stuff now, though. Like, if you see China, I'm just, I'm just saying there's a lot of buildings in a day. 
yeah, tofu concrete, right? So things like that. But anyway. But I'm just saying, you've got these types of um, uh, systems already out there, and we're not we're not using them, we're not getting them. So, bottom line is, I'm not sure exactly how we got to this exact topic, but the so bottom line answer. is is that people people making money right now who are young need to understand that they will make more money as time goes on, and that their mm-hmm. their lives will improve, and that the environment will improve, and that the worst thing you could do right now is have a mindset that says it's never going to happen yeah. for me, or I'm never going to yeah. be okay, and I'm never going to be like my parents you will basically seal your fate if you think that way. But, yep. you know, 100%. make some small incremental gains, save your money, put it into an investment, buy a property. Tom has some great condos downtown Toronto for, for sale right now. And then you're in the market. And then 10 years from now, you'll look back and you'll say, wow, what a great decision that was instead of living in Thailand for two years and all that kind of stuff. You'll, you can go and live in those places later on in life. But all also right. like consider the option of not working by the hour for something like work towards something and wait to get what you were trying to get like have a little patience that's why i'm saying like an 18 year old who's living at home who has nothing can try something and the repercussions are not as great as a 45 year old man who now has things together you know um, now he has to make sure he makes like whatever 250 a year yeah. just to pay the bills right it's a very but if you've waited until if if you've waited till 45 years old to to make you i mean you've missed it right your ha- your life's literally half over i mean you haven't you, missed no, it no, just, no. we're trying to that's, encourage people steve here. that's 45? the same mindset as saying uh-huh. my parents never owned i can never own no no, no i'm not saying would have 45 up. i'm not, I'm Colonel not saying Sanders started kfc <laughs> at 65 that's right <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not saying give up what i'm saying Seven is start earlier for all those people that are asking this question 18 to 30 years old like you got to be going you're an adult at 18 how old do you guys okay this is the last question i swear we're gonna ask and then we're gonna wrap how old do you consider to be an adult now because i don't think society views it as 18 anymore i'm not even sure society views it as 29 i can't believe we were ever considered adults up until like very recently for me Mm -hmm. I can't believe the decisions I made when I was in my 20s that I had no right making at all for myself. I wasn't like capable to make these decisions. Like to I, I got lucky like with my wife, right? Because people make this decision because it's like they're in their 20s, they're with somebody. Next thing you know, they're married with kids. And then they turn around in their 40s, they go, Who the hell is this asshole that I married? And right now we have 58% divorce rate. But I, I'm lucky I have a great wife because it could be the same for me because at 20 something to decide who I'm with for the rest of my life, it's crazy. I was a baby. Think about this though. Think about uh, like my grandparents' generation. So you shipped yeah. off to war at 17 or hopefully 18, but at 17 years old, you go spend four years in the war. You come back, you marry the first girl, you know, and by 23 years old, you're a dad. And four you know, times. by, by 40, by 45 years old, you're a grandfather, right? Like that's when adults used to be. And now most people were uh, maybe, maybe you think they were happier back then. Not about the war, I mean, but just generally, do you think life, war. a simpler life was a happier existence for humans back then? Or do you think now it's better? I think they complain about the exact same stuff. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe the, the prices in the last four years? Do you know what From I mean? 1936 to yeah. 20 cents did a guys, liter. Jeez. Did you guys ever hear the story of, um, there was, um, I want to say it was like Sumeria and they found like these ancient tablets. And they like deciphered the scientists spent all these time deciphering these tablets. And they were like, 
this is going to be the good stuff, right? Like this is going to be the answers to the world. And they end up deciphering the whole thing. And it was basically a complaint from a citizen, <laughs> from a citizen to like the king or the the earl or whoever the heck was in charge of the place about complaining about the neighbor taking one of his goats, right? Like that is like on our own tablet. Nothing's changed on Nothing's like a changed. tablet. On like a, yeah, yeah. here's my formal You're complaint spent about four years <laughs> chiseling away at a tablet to complain. <laughs> it's like right. arcing arcing complaint from five thousand years ago. That was uh, that was fun. That flew by. We went long, but I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Uh, after you're done uh, listening to this episode, make sure to check out the Canadian Real Estate Show on YouTube because I'm sure they will have something fun up their sleeves. TK, Daryl, thank you so much for coming back on. Any uh, final final words of wisdom from both of you? We look forward to having you both on our show again and uh, hope uh, 2024 uh, for your guys on your show and all your listeners is uh, even better than 2023. This is, not the s- this is not the square on the screen you come to for wisdom. <laughs> you can say anything you want. Is, could we have one last question? Is All the I do right is side of the screen or the left side of the screen better? Yeah, let us know in the comments. I'm, I'm breaking up here. No, no, it's you're time fine. to shut down. The, the internet's Check shutting out. down now. They're saying, get out of here. You have, the fu- you have the funny man or the, or the one with the opinions on one side of the screen, and then you have the one that runs the show straight forward on the other side of the screen. So let us know below who you like better. I think I already know the answer. It's, it's not going to be us, TK. <laughs> I strongly doubt we'll win. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening. Have an amazing uh, day, and we'll see you next week. Bye. And then-